Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. And this is Evan. And today we're going to be talking about how to design a board game from the expert. So thanks for joining us for episode 131. So here we are in Meeple Town with the, the Evan Halbert. You've heard us talk about Evan on the show before. Uh, I've definitely talked about his design, and we're going to get into all of that uh, oh, in, yeah. in a little way, a little later. In fact, that's going to be what the episode is focused on, is just the whole design process. But just in general, you need to know, Meeple Town, that Evan is my nemesis. And it's okay <laughs> that I'm going to have my nemesis on the show. That's, that's how welcoming Meeple Town is. Mm-hmm. That the Evan, who from I don't know what two or three years ago that that yeah, we yeah. nemesize, uh, nemesized. That... <laughs> you accept <laughs> you accept even Nemesi into Maple Town. It's 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 uh, it's very welcoming. That's how we roll around here. I I'll be honest. I I know. So we were we we frequent the chatting uh, ele- elements of board game gumbo. So the live show that they do. And oh, yeah. when they would do the game shows, which they still do, uh, like the the gaming element on there. But early on, we were we were like going at each other, trying to make sure that we would be <laughs> victorious. The reality is, I never won any of those games on there, so I don't know what I was. Really? Did I always beat you? <laughs> yeah, I think every. See, I, I blocked it out. I blocked it out. <laughs> You're so humble that you just said, <laughs> "I'm just going to let Dean have this. I'm not really his nemesis. He's not even in my league." But. My memory is very, my memory is very humble. If I had just beaten you, I would lord it over you for sure. <laughs> so that is that's our first connection, uh, I believe, that we had. And then, without even knowing it, uh, I didn't realize that you were the designer of After the Empire. But right. it was a game that uh, I don't know if I ever told you this when it initially launched on Kickstarter. Yeah, it was it was canceled. The first the first go round was canceled, if I remember. Yes, that, okay. yes, that's true. Yeah. So I was a backer and then it canceled and then I never yeah. went back and back. Right. That. Um, yeah, we actually we lost we lost some some folks that first time for yeah. sure. But then I went back and picked it up and I'm really glad I did because it was a game that made my top 10 of uh, 20. Was it 21? 21. Yeah. 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 It was a top 10 game for me for. 2021 and we're going to talk about today just the whole design practice so we're actually going to throw a little bit of our formatting just just on its head today we're not going <laughs> to do the, we're not going to do the recent plays we're not going to do any of the i mean this is kind of the banter but not not you know lengthy banter <laughs> i really yeah. just told evan i want to just jump just dive headfirst into this and yeah, i want to hear it. all of all of your um advice that you can give us for okay. really like aspiring aspiring game designers and in and, and to kind of set the stage for this i reached out to evan i don't know a few weeks ago oh that's right yeah. and, and and jay bell actually and i said the jay bell you, yeah the jay bell mm-hmm. what do you what do you do right like i i have ideas in my mind and i and i'm not going to talk a lot about those maybe i'll get to those at some point i would be very interested to hear them but i bet meeple town would also be very interested but that's okay that's okay I don't, and I don't mind sharing any of it. I, I you know, these are, are pretty early stages of of everything. But, but I reached out to to both of you because you have brilliant minds, and and you won't say this, but I'll say this: you you do have good minds for like thinking through the process of this, which is what was is helpful for me. And so, what mm-hmm. I wanted to do is just kind of pick your brain 
and and see like what is this what is this process? And so you actually came up with the questions, and I'm just gonna kind of we're gonna go through this list. But I I want you to just start off and talk about your your board game uh, origin uh, designer origin story. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, long time long time nerd, um, you know, <laughs> D and D magic yada yada. Um, was always designing my own card games back when I started playing magic and always r- writing up my own worlds for D and D and running, running campaigns and all that kind of stuff. So I've always kind of, you know, been in that mindset. Um, and then a friend of mine designed a little, uh, kids game and, and, and I owned a board game store at the time. Uh, this was back in like 2011, I think 2010, 2011. Um, and I was like, heck, let's do it. And we put it up on Kickstarter and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And I fumbled and learned a bunch of stuff and it failed and all that. But um, but that was my first like co-design where basically I took his little system and made it like more playable. Uh, <laughs> and then um, and then some odd years later, I think it was 2015. Is that true? Uh, my buddy Ryan came to me. He's like, hey, you've de- designed a game before. I've got an idea. I want to design a game. And I was like, all right, cool. That that's pretty much it. <laughs> okay. So how did you already knew Ryan then at that point then? Yeah, we've been buddy we had been buddies for years and years and years from the service industry, just playing magic the gathering at his house and just nerding okay. out. Okay. So you're in the you're both in the the um Pacific Northwest, like you're both in that same same yeah, town Portland. or you're both yeah. in Portland. Okay. Yeah, we're both in Portland. We've both owned game stores in Portland. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, times. that's great. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that that helps. We're deep, I would deep imagine. in the nerd. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine that helps though. Being in the same town, being able to kind of think through that. Um, you know, some designers they're designing from you know all the way across the world. Yeah, it definitely. You know, I I, I have done some game design collaboration um, virtually, and it's definitely not the same. Like it's not that I wouldn't do it. Yeah. You know, because I like just I like collaborating no matter what, but it is better when you're in person. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. so you said 2015, and I mentioned already the game came out in 2021. Yeah, it's a lengthy process. That so you might right. have already all you might have 50 percent of the people that were like, I want to design a game that are already out because they're like five years, six years, whatever that takes to get that. I mean, it, not every life cycle is that long for a game. Sure, um, but a lot of times your first one is unless it's unless you do it smart and you start with something you know bite-sized yeah. uh and small like a card game or something like that right your life cycle on that's going to be much quicker or like a yeah. party game you know your, your life cycle is a lot quicker to get that to market ready but yeah. if you just are like hey i want to design a midweight heavy euro game with a tower defense system that's totally new uh you know that's <laughs> It's going to take you, we did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of play tests and went to a bunch of conventions and yeah. Wow. Okay. So talk a little bit, you've already kind of gone that direction, but go ahead and talk about that design process, if you would, you know, from the start, uh, maybe talk about some ideas that came into your mind at the beginning and then maybe some iterations along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Design's real interesting because everybody comes at it slightly different. So anything I say here, you know, may or may not be used against you. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it might be for you. It might not be for you. There's a bunch of different ways of doing it. For me, I, I thrive with, within confines, within a box. So for me, working with a creative uh, designer is super good 
because if the world is my oyster and I can choose anything, I will choose nothing because mm. I'm bad at making choices. Okay. But if you say, hey, here's this idea, here's this world, or if you throw an IP at me, you're like, hey, we've got this world, it's this setting, there's these species, yada, yada, and it's got to last this long and it's co-op and it's three to four players. I'll be like, sweet, I can design that. Right. That, that gets my creative juices flowing when you put me in a box. Okay. Go, okay. Okay. How do I fit in this box? All right, cool. What happens when somebody opens the box? All right. Okay. That's neat. Um, but if you just like everything, anything, I'm like, I, I don't know. So, <laughs> and so our, our, does our, you know, cause co-designing is very different than designing yourself and I do both, but, but co-designing for me, at least it was very much like, he's like, here's what I want. And I'm like, okay, how can I use my brain <laughs> to interact with the things you're saying that you want it to feel like, that you want it to play like, and make it work? Not that he wasn't also doing the same thing, but, but that was where I excelled. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and the work, um, <laughs> like I said, he's a creative. So, mm. you know, we get 20 play tests in and he's like, oh, I've got this other cool idea. You know, I'm working up this other thing and, and I'm the one who's like, no, not until we finish this one. Yeah. Yeah. Even you know? if this one doesn't work, at least we'll, we'll work through the process, I guess. Exactly. And kind of figure out where we are from there. Exactly. And, and you'll see that a lot. People will be like, I never finish one thing. I just keep going, you know, new thing, new thing, new thing. And, and they do need, maybe that person is, is the right person for a co-designer who's like, nope, when we show up every week at this time. We are playing this game until we either are fed up with it or it's good. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's, that's <laughs> so it takes yeah. A- <laughs> that's that's a neat dynamic between the two of you, though. So, how did were you the one that were like was like, hey, let's let's divvy up these different responsibilities? Like, you're you're good at this. You are the creative mind. Um, I'm more of mm. the you know the one that's going to kind of keep us on track. It, it, it seems like that could cause some conflict but also could be you know really useful oh we definitely had our conflict but but we had been friends for so long that it really was pretty smooth because we already knew the strengths and weaknesses you know like when it came to like math balancing of the different card powers and all that kind of jazz that that's my bailiwick right i'm i'm there deep in the deep in the spreadsheet trenches uh and then i play it with him and he's like it doesn't feel good and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's balanced. And he's like, yeah, but it doesn't feel good, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and the and the and the truth is, both of those things are important, right? It Absolutely. should be balanced, but it also has to feel right. Right. Yeah. Right. So you want me to just run you through the basic uh, design process? Yeah, yeah. And even you know, just kind of the like I said, the the iterations are you know some of the the these sticking points or some areas yeah. where you're just like, all right, this is yeah. this thing we need to chop off and, and move on. Yeah. To something else. Yeah. So, so first thing you got to do is make a prototype and, you know, people might quibble with this, but I, I think you have to make a physical prototype. Mm-hmm. You even just in the process of cutting the cards and laying down the thing and drawing out the stuff, you will make significant changes to your design as you're building it. Cause your brain goes, Oh, when I actually make this physical thing, I realize immediately that these three ideas just don't do what I want them to do. Can I ask a quick question in there? Sorry yeah, to interrupt. But yeah. So when you say make a product prototype early on, you guys had a lot of cards in this and there's a lot of different working pieces. And I know yeah. that's the final product. 
But mm-hmm. did you make a prototype? You're like, we have this general idea. We might have an idea yes. for one or two cards or something yeah. like that. And just kind of, okay. Well, basically a lot of people live in their head with a game for years, right? They'll have a mm-hmm. spreadsheet. It'll be in their mind for years and years and years and years. And they keep trying to perfect it. And the reality is you have to build the dang thing and play the dang thing. Yeah. Or yeah. you will never have any sense of how good it is or isn't or whether it's going to work or not. And all the little perfections you're making are really mostly just wasted time mm-hmm. because it's going to change so much that perfecting it is going to be useless because you, you're perfecting the wrong thing. You're, you're polishing the wrong turd. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> so, you got to find the, the, the poop diamond in the middle and then, and then polish that sucker. So, okay, you played your first prototype. What happened after that? You were like, this, is, this game is perfection, right? <laughs> No turns um, so, here. We have perfection. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so basically, you, then then it's iteration and play testing. You start small. You start with just you and your co-designer or a couple of buddies, right? A couple mm-hmm. of friends, and you just play, 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 and you change in in between. You change everything that feels like it needs to change, and then once you get to the place, which now we're I'm I'm zooming forward <laughs> a lot of play tests here. Once you get sure, to the place yeah. where you're like, hey, this is the game we like. We are into this. This is great. That's when you re- that's when you take it outside of that play group and you realize, oh, we have warped this game so severely because it's been the same group of people playing it over the last year and a half. Right? Wow, and year and a half. Okay. Okay. As a group of people playing a game, you want to see progression. You want to see new interesting things. You you know, you don't want to let go of things that are your darling, even if they don't actually belong there. So you mm. get it's a it's a it's a heavy, heavy group bias. Um, and what's that? What's that called? Think same, same think. Yeah, group think. Yeah, yeah, yeah group think. Um, group think. And and until you actually start playtesting it at conventions and with a bunch of other people, you don't realize how susceptible you and your group were to that. And you go, oh, none of this makes any sense to anyone else. We wa- we were there to watch it grow. And so we knew where it started and what this means. But now nobody else has any idea what the heck we're doing here or talking about. Mm, right. Because you know, right. it's just been warped. So hindsight so you, with that piece then? Yeah. Would you say maybe we shouldn't have played it? For a year and a half, that same group. Maybe we should have shortened right. that time. Or, okay. Yeah, yeah. You got to you got to get it to a place where you're like, okay, we are really enjoying this. And then instead of just keep wheedling on it, you got to get out to wider play testing to sure. really see what's what. You know, because then you'll have people bring up things where you're like, oh, oh, yeah. Why didn't we do that? Mm, right. We could ju- right. we could just cut this whole extra little board over here. All we need is you know little little chips to let us know that that thing happened or didn't happen. Right. Um, right. Yeah, and just nobody thought of it until the play tester was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, well that makes sense. Uh, you know, like after the empire, the, the name of the game, we were going to call it defenses up exclamation point. Mm. Right. Okay. And I always, I always hated the name. Ryan loved it. And, and I was always looking for something else, but I couldn't think of anything better. And then this play tester we had one night that I never saw ever again was like, was like, that name sucks. Oh, nice. Okay. And I was like, all right, well, that's cool. I agree, actually. Uh, what do you got? And they were like, how about After the Empire? I was like, oh, 
yeah, maybe actually, yeah, that's pretty dang good. <laughs> you know, and, and can I, can we just use that? And they were like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> you know, that's hilarious. And so, and that kind of stuff happens all the time. You know, little, little bits and pieces of games are crowdsourced. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not only inspired by other published games already that the designers have played, but also just people play testing their games and giving you feedback. Yeah. I can't tell you how many pieces of, of little game, you know, little pieces have made it into my games from, from play tester feedback or does, or uh, publisher feedback for people that didn't publish my games. Yeah. You know? And so you, it really is, you know, the love of the industry that has these people playing your games for free and giving you great ideas and sharpening your tools for you. Yeah. Um, and doing that process day in and day out makes you better at recognizing what is a great idea and what isn't a great idea and what what may actually be right for your design and what may not be right for your design because people are going to tell you what they think. Yeah, yeah. It may or may not fit your vision or be right for the game. Right, um, right. Um, but as long as you keep your vision intact then you know the path to get there can be long and winding as long as long as you keep the vision there you'll get there right right you know and having having somebody with you i think especially for your first design really helps i would imagine helps with that um you know being able to to kind of to filter out what what is good advice what's what's you know not that it's bad advice. It just might not fit with what our vision is. Exactly. For what the game is so. exactly. And when and when I'm working with a code, you know, with a co-designer, it's often I default to their vision because I'm just a do it guy. Mm-hmm. They're like, here, you know, this, this is my grand vision. I'm like, that's cool. I will help you make that happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and and then um, when I'm working on my own designs, a lot of times you get down to the place where you're like, well. There's literally five different ways I could do this thing, and I don't really care which one. They all have ups and, you know, there's just reasons that are good and bad about all of those things. And that's when it's really nice to go, hey, Ryan, you want to play test this for me? Even if he's not the co-designer, right? He'll be like, heck yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. he play tests it, and he's, like, and he's like, oh, you should do this other thing. <laughs> all five of those ideas sucked. You should do this other thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're totally right. So you might have a thick skin, but somebody who doesn't, I mean, did you ever get feelings hurt in that? Oh, um, either yes. Either by Ryan or other people? That- oh, yes. A hundred percent. Okay. You will, if you haven't been in a type of industry or area where you're used to receiving critical feedback, hmm. um, it, it can, it can bite at first, uh, but you'll get, you'll get used to it because that's the useful stuff. Mm-hmm. If somebody loves your game is like, hey, this was great. I loved this. I loved that. I loved this. For me, that's kind of wasted time. It's not very useful information. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's not wasted time because I love seeing people enjoy my stuff. Right. right. So it's gratifying. But as far as the design process goes, you know, fluff is, isn't useful. I need to know, hey, this felt bad. I wanted to flip the table. Yeah. This this thing here was boring as you know, yep. like, yeah, <laughs> that's what I need. That's what I need to know yeah. so that I can improve that and make it better, especially um, when you hear that same thing over and over and over again. You go, all right. You know, you hear yeah. it once and you're like, oh, I know better. That's fine. That person doesn't know. And then you hear it twice and you're like, well, maybe and then you hear it a third time. You're like, God dang it. That one person was right. <laughs> uh, oh, <and laughs> I that, didn't want that's... to admit it to myself, but. 
that stings too when somebody you know that's your baby that's that this is something you've worked so hard on and see one of the things so i i have very little experience with this. i've never designed a game yeah. but i but i have i have come up with ideas and i've brought them to groups of friends this is years ago that i've done yeah. this and the one time that i remember doing this I brought it and it wasn't what they said. I just saw they are not having fun. Did you experience something yes. that just like you now, didn't have to say anything? You just knew it. Yeah. A lot of people now I'm not going to judge anybody's process, right? Cause as long as you get there, that's great. Sure. Um, a lot of people love play test, uh, fill out sheets, right? At the end of the play test, you write this down, you write that down. Right. For me, almost none of that stuff is useful. The mm-hmm. most useful stuff is, three things (laughs) i watch you play the game Mm -hmm. right and regardless of what you say or what you write down about it i watched you play it and i saw what you struggled with Mm -hmm. i saw what kept you engaged i saw what bored you to tears Mm. i saw when it was taking too long between turns and you were like "Ugh, checking your phone you know yeah yeah that's that's like i'm watching for all that stuff those those nonverbal cues. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes people will have actually, who've done a lot of playtesting, will be able to articulate what was happening and why that was happening. And that's extra helpful too. Sure. Yeah. But most, most people are not seasoned playtesters and they can't, they can't pull those things out. And they might not even realize they were doing it or feeling it. Right, right. Overly yeah. much as to say it to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So being able to recognize what's going on with your players you know, are they experiencing what I want them to experience right now? Because boredom probably wasn't my goal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, probably. Uh, yeah. You never know. There's some interesting designs out there. But, but, um, and then, and then for me, it's what stopped you from having fun? Mm. You know, what felt boring or difficult or whatever? And then, and then in those answers, you, you get a lot of really good usable information. Now, a lot of people will try to tell you how to fix the problems. Hmm. And most of the time they're wrong. Sure. Yeah. But. Everybody is a game designer when they're sitting at, at the table playtesting, right. right? I mean, right. they know what's best for your game. Yeah. Most of the time they're wrong. But the fact that they are trying to fix it. And even if they couldn't tell you what was wrong, when they're just giving you suggestions without telling you what they're trying to fix, your job as the designer at that point is to go, oh, what are they trying to fix right now? Yeah. And sometimes I'll just ask them if I can't figure it out. I'm like, hey, now you want me to change these cards to work this way. Why? What are you trying to solve there? What was the Mm. problem? Because they might not have even said it. (laughs) They might have just told me what they think I should do. And so, so drawing useful feedback out of your playtesters is kind of a skill. So the, the length of time for this process then, I guess you yes. know, your first leg of a year or two and a year and a half for this, <laughs> this experience was you playing it together. Then how long of that process was, was with playtesters till you felt like this is it? We did another two or three years um, just going to conventions and playtesting with um, whoever the heck we could at conventions, hundreds mm-hmm. of people. And then also we have a great local design crew, you know, like Tim Eisner's here in town and we got a lot of inspiration from, you know, cause we, we saw uh, March of the Ants, you know, and we were like, oh, this local dude just made a board game and published it. You can, you can do that. And so, 
you know, that's a thing you can do. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I guess you could do that. Like, you know, yeah. of course, of course you could do that. So uh, that was, that was what told us that it's okay to do it, that you could do it. Anybody could do it. You know, yeah. we're just people, man. And so yeah, if, yeah. You want, if you want to be a, you know, a, a writer, if you want to be an artist, if you want to be a game designer, you, you literally can do it. It just takes time and effort and, and nose to the grindstone. Yeah. And with, with board game design, and I don't mean to simplify this or, or anything like that. There is a low barrier of entry to oh, yeah. board game design. You know, really a piece of paper and a pencil, really. And yes. You can design a game. Um, you can, you know, a print and play game or something like that. You know, there there's there are so many opportunities to do that if that's where your heart is. But I, I love it. You mentioned, so you have a local design group. I'm in, I'm in Nashville and we've got uh, a group, multiple groups that meet up for, for designers. And, yeah. you know, I would imagine even in non, uh, non bigger board game, especially you all, I mean, there's so many board gamers up in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> there it's is, there is, yeah. But even if you don't have that, you, mm-hmm. there are so many opportunities online. There's opportunities at conventions, like you mentioned, uh, to really get people, uh, to test that in. So, but how then did you get to the point of, of pitching it? I'm guessing at some point <laughs> that, that comes next, maybe not directly next, but what, yeah. where are we at now? Yeah. So basically, um, you know, after you get all this playtesting feedback and then you iterate, um, and that's a whole other thing is how, how do you iterate? What's the process for proper, you know, what's too much, what's too little for me. I personally go in phases of bloating and, and cutting where I like add a bunch of junk mm. and then, and then cut it down and filter it out. And then I add a bunch of junk and then cut it down and filter it out. But every single time you go through that bloat and cut process, a couple things leave and a couple new things come in and it just gets honed a little tighter towards where you're headed. Sure. You know, yeah. like I might add five things. Only one of those was good. Yeah. But then I cut, you know, four things and the one stays and then I add three more and then I cut two, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, but so basically, yeah, we were we were going to go to print. We were we were going to self publish because I did it once before back in 2011, and I knew what I had messed up, and and I felt pretty confident that we um, could fund uh, reasonably well somewhere in the 70 to 150 grand um, area was my projection. I don't know how far off I was. It wasn't because we didn't end up doing that. Um, (laughs) that was, you know, maybe I was, I was fooling myself. I don't know, but basically, you know, we had a list, um, from going to conventions of, I don't know, maybe 500, 300 emails, which, you know, in the grand scheme of thing, isn't that many, but it was a list, you know, 500 people. Um, and, uh, and, and we had been showing it off at all the conventions, Hmm. but what happened was about three months before we were going to go to Kickstarter, um, the owner of Gray Fox wandered by our booth at Geekway to the West in St. Louis. And he was like, what the heck is this? And I was like, oh yeah, man, you know, it's just a game we're doing. It's like this, it's like that. And he's like, huh, looks pretty cool. I was like, yeah, thanks man. Cool. He's like, so have you, have you ever considered working with a publisher? I was like, not really. <laughs> he was like, you should. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> he's like, yeah, man. And, and then, you know, the, the story kind of goes from there, you know, um, right, right. he was like, yeah, you should. Cause <laughs> we know what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then, so, then so did getting... you have the art at that point or anything? Or I, this... yes. Oh, okay. I had, okay. I, we had, we were going to go in, in like another two or three months. Like we were, yeah, we were ready yeah. to do it. So I had, um, 
uh, Ryan helped, of course, but I was kind of the the art director lead, and then I would pass everything through him as a second pair of eyes too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and so I would say ninety percent of all the art you see in the game was um, already art directed. Okay. By right. us. How, how, how did you how did you you've got three um artists listed on here what, how did you make <laughs> it that was connection? like 12 um okay <laughs> yeah it depends on where you look there's there's a couple lists where you actually see all the names and then some of them if they don't have profiles on bgg then you can't add them oh gotcha gotcha right okay. so they yeah, have that, to have profiles that's where i was looking okay yeah but if you look in the rule book there's like 12 people um but basically you just search online there's you know there's deviant art there there was artists and clients that i used a lot there's just various websites where you go in and you're like looking at people's portfolios and you're like that that's the look we want Mm, yeah and then and then you kind of get a stable at least this is how i did it i didn't reach out to any one person and say hey we want you to do everything Mm -hmm. right we wanted a faster timetable so we commissioned anywhere from (laughs) you know three to 12 pieces from each artist Mm, okay um and one piece in the case of the ones that you know for whatever reason, we just didn't want to commission a second one from that artist. Right, right. Okay. So uh, I'm guessing your your board game box was a the box cover art was probably a very different designer than the the cards have a very unique style, but it all it's all cohesive. I think it's all really cohesive. They re Gray Fox the the one one of the biggest things they redid was the box cover. Okay. All right. And and I think. However much I like to make fun of certain things because I, I was the, the history nerd, mm-hmm. you know, you know, so I was always like, well, in 1282, they didn't have the thing yet. And actually they were doing it with these and they were mangonels, <laughs> not catapults and yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. And, um, <laughs> and although that actually wasn't accurate, but, um, but so when they came out with, you know, Yaroslav's cover art there with all the knights out front, you know, you're like, that's, that's that's not representative of medieval warfare. It wasn't, you know, this lineup of knights. It was like, you know, pikemen and, and people with, you know, you know what right. I mean? Right. And people with halberds and not, you know, not fully armored knights, not a wave of fully armored knights coming out of castle. Right. Um, but, right. but dang it, if it doesn't look sweet. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Um, you know what you I mean? Know, my first thought when I saw this box cover was not, how dare they <laughs> with all the armor, you know, that's ridiculous. Dang it. If it doesn't look darn cool. It's a beautiful and, box. <laughs> and so I, I, I really think they went the right direction on that and just make it look awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, like, it is, it's a game, right? Right. At the end of the day. And that's a beautiful box cover. <laughs> yeah. So our, our old one was a pretty, I really enjoyed the cover, right? We, we directed the art. But I have to admit, it probably sold more than it would have if if we went with what we did. You know what I mean? So I I, I think it was the right call for sure. And you have the toy factor in this game too. Um, yes, with with the walls in particular. Yeah, was that already that was already complete? You already had that in the works. That was already in the works. We were planning on doing like a deluxe version that had the walls, and like a simple version that had like little chippy cutouts. Mm, okay. Um. And basically, you know, Gray Fox was absolutely correct. If you look at Kickstarter market, like if you are selling a game that could be plastic minis and isn't, the difference in interest, regardless of what the hubbub says, right? Yep. 
Yeah, you're you exactly right. Say, you have people say whatever the heck they want to say, but if you look at the dollars, they are spent on minis. Yeah. And people yeah. want the toys. Yep. Good, and bad, or ugly, that is exactly that, right. Yeah. yeah. I'm guilty of it. Look at my history <laughs> of starters, and that is, that's, uh, that's the case for me for sure. Right. And, you know, so me personally, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, beige Euro person. I don't care about any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't care if it's flashy or whatever, but I do, I do admit, I love fiddling around with those walls and those dudes, even (laughs) I love fiddling with them, even though like, are they overly fiddly? Yes. Um, but, but I sure enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. You you didn't have to. That's the thing. You didn't have to. The game didn't have to be so overly produced, but it does. Uh, it just makes a, a great difference. And, you know, so for me, I am a I am a thematic. Uh, thematic euros are really yeah. Okay, I'll say midweight thematic euros really are my jam. Now I've yeah. got lots of jams, but that is I would say if you peg <laughs> me on on the the thing that I get most excited about. Right. It is those thematic midweight euros, and that's exactly what this game is. And it yeah. that, that toy factor, I just think, it adds so much to it. Well, and it really does. You know, I, I can sit here and say I would like the game either way, right? I can yeah. say that. Yeah. But when you put me in a room with our prototype, and you hand me our little chip walls, and you hand me our three D printed walls, you better believe every single time I grab that bag, it's the three D printed walls. Yeah. Yeah. It's more fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a better experience. It's more fun. So yeah. you know, for all I for all I try to pretend like it's a you know it's a pure it's a pure art to me, and I don't care about what it looks like. That's it's just not true. I I reach for the bag of minis because it's more fun to move those chunky bits around. Yeah. Now I will say this though. I just have the retail copy of it, and and I've had opportunities to pick up the deluxe version with the yeah. the miniatures. Uh, you know the miniature. Um, characters in it mm-hmm. i actually don't care about that now i normally i don't either I love, I love minis but i was perfectly happy with the retail production of this with the key yes um, and actually i think because you those walls can get loaded down with things i, I felt mm-hmm. like if i got the minis i'd probably be knocking them over all over the place the Maybe wall the case, but. i think you're absolutely right like t- to me the walls are the important bit yes right you have to have like like, you know, like, yes, you could do it without, but it's just the game in and of itself is those walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to have the walls. And then the troops and whatever, if they're chips or cubes, I, frankly, I don't care. Yeah. The rest yeah. of that does not matter to me. Some people yeah. love the minis, it's whatever, but, but to me, the walls are the important thing, which is why every version has those walls. Yeah. yeah. And then if you care about plastic minis for the troops or whatever, then yeah, you can get that, but. Yeah. Okay, so I, I, I want to get I want to give you an opportunity to, to finish up any of that other process, but I think oh. that really is 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 kind of the, the the crux of it. What what else you There's, got in there that, that... There, dude? It could be this could be a two and a half hour talk about <laughs> any one of those little headlines that we that we brought up. Yeah, um, and I actually I've had bazillion <laughs> questions running through my mind, and I'm like, okay, this is where I live, bloating in the cutting, like I'm doing all this cutting in my mind behind the scenes here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, we can talk about, um, you know, running playtests. Where do you find communities? Mm. Um, how do you how do you know when it's ready to pitch? How do you know when it's ready to publish? What do you how do you know what your vision is? How do you know what your design goals are? Um, what are some good resources? Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's there's so many 
things you can talk about. And with, even within the design community itself, if you're on some of the forums, you know, there's these things that are hotly debated between designers about like the, what is the, what is the pure correct answer for this design question? Mm, right. You know, and, and, and the truth is, Hey man, whatever works and makes your game fun. That's right. Whatever your process is, do that. Yeah. Um, but it's still pretty interesting to see how different everybody is. You know, the, the art versus the science of game design. Yeah. Um, Cause you got people on both sides. You've got, yeah, it's, there, there's so many game design is so, at least to me, I mean, I'm a big nerd, so it's so fascinating and rich and deep to me. And I love being a part of the community. And it's, it's one of the, one of the things in my life that I'm so passionate about and feel so lucky to be a part of. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, I, yeah. I, I love even even on your team, you and Ryan are so different in that process. Yeah. And and uh, you know, you you mentioned whatever gets the the product done. For me, mm-hmm. I'm such a team oriented person uh, in mm-hmm. my job, and you know, just in life, I I have to surround myself with people, mm-hmm. and uh, I just work so much better that way. And so I love the idea of how does how does the the gifts, the talents that you have. You know, how do they jive with what I have? And, you know, let's bring these to the table and right. make something beautiful out of this. I, I just, I really love that. Exactly. The, the, for me, co-designing is the ideal, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm like a, like a, I don't know what you call it, but like, I have to keep designing and I have too many ideas and they mm-hmm. just bubble over and not everybody has enough time to co-design with me. Mm-hmm. So I have designs that I'm working on myself, but it's, okay. it's not because it's my preference. It's just like. It's just happened because I'm like sitting there and I'm like, I've got to make a game about this. <laughs> I've got it. Like I, I, I've got so many games just waiting for me to have the time to make them. And you can only work with so many people at once because yeah. you only have so many nights in a week, right? For regular play tests with, with those, yeah. with that co-designer for that game, you know, that like, <laughs> so I have a bunch of solo designs, but yes, for me, co-designing is definitely the, the go-to um, to get, it's a much more fulfilling yeah, experience to to yeah. co-design. Yeah, and you're you're kind of leading us down this path. But I recently I'm listening to this book. It's a Hero on a Mission, where he's talking a lot about this creative process and, um, you know, giving kind of steps of of working towards it, which which mm-hmm. you're you're really good at, at at doing as well. But one of the things he said in the book was interesting was that when he when he finishes something. If he stops there, you know, it's, it's good to celebrate, you know, hey, we made this game, we got this game published. Yeah. But if you stop there, you can, you, you know, worst case scenario, you can go to the state of depression, of, uh, you, you know, really, um, you know, like I've worked so hard for this thing and now there's nothing to look forward to. Huh. Um, so at what point in this process? And then also if anything you want to share about those, you know, did you get to the, okay, now what's next? You now, what, what do we do next? Where are we going to move yeah. from here? I was so after... After After the Empire, because I'm really good at focus, right? I'm really good at focus. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we are making After the Empire. And Ryan's like, I got this cool idea. I got this cool idea. I'm like, we are making After the Empire. <laughs> and he did have really cool other ideas, yeah. with the, which we also started working up. And we, we, we have some other great games too. Mm-hmm. But I was like, we have to finish After the Empire. Once we were done, you know, kind of like it was, it was in the works, you know, it was in the pipeline. It wasn't released yet. I had the fear that you know imposter syndrome right it's like i'm not a game i'm not a game designer i'm just a guy i'm just a dude 
that my buddy had a great idea, right? He was the idea guy. I just, I just told him to sit down and do it. Mm-hmm. I sat there to help him do it because he wasn't going to sit there by himself. Yeah. Right. Which is, which is valuable. That's very valuable. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and I helped, I helped him figure out what his vision was and I helped him articulate it and, and make it real. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a game designer mm. that, you know, that was the self-talk. And I was like, I, I don't have any of my own ideas. Huh. Right. I don't, okay. I, I don't, I'm not creative. And, and that's the negative self-talk. And so when I was kind of at that point where after the empire was kind of like in the pipeline doing its thing, I did have a bit of a crisis like that. Um, and then what's once I finally just let myself relax about it and be like, you know what, maybe I'll just be a great co-designer for people that need that structure and someone to whip them into shape. And that'll be my role rather than the creative role. Right. Um, it turns out if you calm down about it and you don't have to be anything, you just be, just do what you want to do. Um, ideas just won't stop flooding into my brain and there's Mm. not, there's not enough time in the day to sit down and prototype all the games I want to make. Yeah. You know, or to, or to find a co-designer for my own ideas to, yeah. to, to make those with. So, it, you know, once you take the pressure off yourself, you realize, you know, not only am I worthy to do the things I want to do in my life, you know, who am I to not live the life that I could, you know, mm. with the gifts I've been given and the privileged position I'm in, you know, where I can sit around and worry about not being creative enough. Yeah. 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 <laughs> who am That's I, who am I to waste that? You know, yeah. like I, it's my, it's like my duty to get out there and live my best life and do the things that, that bring me joy and fill those around me with joy. Just, mm. just, you know, yeah. By sharing that, that, that passion and that existence. Yeah. That's great. That's such a great perspective to, to have throughout that whole process is, you know, I have all these, you know, why not? Why, why not, yeah. you know, just, just run with some of this. And, and, you know, there's so many thoughts that can go through our minds. My, my wife is a very creative person as well. She's a, she's a writer, loves to write. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that we do sometimes is just, we get in our own heads. Like, yeah. what if nobody cares about this? What if mm-hmm. I feel miserably? What, what, you mm-hmm. know, all these, what ifs there's the Shel Silverstein uh, poem right. where he wrote it, you right. know, the, the what ifs. And that, I think, it's so it's a kid's poem, but uh, mm-hmm. it's so it's Hell, so pertinent yeah. to to yeah. us as adults too that that we struggle with that. Well, so, tell me tell me this. Go ahead. Does your wife inspire you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And so and so you take that and you go, if I do the thing that I'm passionate about, but self questioning about, who am I going to inspire around me? Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? Because you watch somebody else doing it, and you're like, oh it can be done. You can follow those passions and you can do those things. Right. So she inspires you that you can inspire others and, you know, on and on down the line. Yeah. Our kids are, you know, our community, all all of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. Okay. So uh, we're not going to get through all these questions. Okay. Sorry. But but I I did. No, no, no. This is, you got to corral me. This is exactly what I was hoping for, but I do, you know, are there, are there things that, uh, that are coming down the pipe that you, that you can mention? Or, oh yeah, or... for sure. Okay. 
Um, let's see. I've got, and we're going to get to a top five at some point too, but I just, I, w- I wanted to make sure we do. Uh, I want to hear got, what you got going on. <laughs> yeah. We've got a couple things on contract right now. Um, I've got a solo design that I'm working with, uh, Spielwerks. It's based on a video, a German video game IP. Uh, it's like a post-apocalyptic Civ builder, um, mm. kind of thing. Right. And I've made it, uh, it's, it's sort of a worker placement, sort of an area control, um and with like yeah it's really tough to describe it's there's a lot of weird unique things going on that i hope is streamlined enough to make sense but when you're designing a game there is too much new you have to you have to couch any new mechanism or any new thing you're doing with like 90 percent what people already know or it's Mm going to be too out there for people yeah. Um, there's just, it's just not going to be a, a cogitatable experience. Um, so I got that one coming. Um, Wait, can I pause there for just a second? Let me make sure I understood this. Right. Right. Yeah. This is a solo area control game. Uh, you get not fully that, but that's, the, the, that is the video. The video game is a, is a solo video game is solo. Okay. Right. Real time. So builder, I am making the board game version is, is a, uh, semi-co-op oh okay i got you i got you okay all right yep Ooh. okay i'm intrigued by that (laughs) (laughs) keep going Um, i want to hear more (laughs) yeah so then then i've got another another game that that was inspired by you know did you you ever play heroes of might and magic the the video game i did not no i've i know of it but i've never played yeah so i had i had this huge system that i worked on for years and years and years with just a gajillion cards and characters and Hap, map, map hex tiles can't even talk um and in and, and like cities that you upgrade and different troops that you bring around with your people your heroes and um and i i shopped that around for a while and it was almost attached to a D license at one point which that would have been pretty sweet oh, um, yeah. it was yeah. you know so um, it, it has been through so many different iterations and it's turned into so many different things and it's no longer recognizable as you know its original inspiration because <laughs> it's just a different thing now. But um, now that's finally been seeded with an IP with a uh, this uh, French role-playing game designer who's had his world for about 30 years now. Mm. Um, and and he's, he's just putting out his third edition, actually, of the, of the rule books. But he's also recently gotten into card and board game publishing and he was like, hey, man, you know, <laughs> it was actually really funny. Our first, oh, my gosh, I'm going to tell too many stories and we're going to go over time. <laughs> we, my first meeting of this, my first meeting of this guy was me telling him like everything he was doing wrong with how he was interacting with um, his playtesters. Oh, wow. <laughs> with this, with this card game he was coming out with, you know. And I kind of lit, I, I lit into him, right? I, mm. I was like, hey, man, like, this isn't okay. You're, you know, this, this, and that. And he just didn't know. Oh, he wasn't okay. a bad guy. In fact, he's yeah. a great guy. Yeah. He just didn't know. He, he, was, <laughs> he was very new. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know what, what was okay and what wasn't okay. Mm. And so after, after that first interaction where I, just, I lit into him, he was like, hey, man, I really respect that you told me what was what. And... And I really respected all the things you said about my game and, and it was, you know, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, I would love to work with you. And wow. And, wow. And, you know, like publish something great. And I was like, Hey man, I've got this world. I've got this game 
that just needs a setting to make it to make it sing. It mm. just needs a setting, right? Because it yeah. was just fantasy trope. Yep. You know, just generic fantasy trope. I need a real setting with real things going on that I can actually bounce off of to make it a real game, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like I said, you know, I'm not creative. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I got, so I got that one coming out. Um, and at this point, it's very character-driven uh, map exploration quests and combat and items and spells and you're leveling up and it also has a little bit of area control uh oh man i I, you can't see this i'm drooling all over the mic right now this is ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) all of those things right it's been a lot of it's been a lot of fun um so those two are on contract and then we've got a bunch of other games i've got one uh, that i've really been pushing lately that um i'm waiting to see if we get a contract i had a really good play test um last week two weeks ago with a potential publisher and they, they said that they're gearing up to talk about, you know, submitting a, uh, uh, a contract over to me. Um, but we'll see if it happens, right? Obviously you never know until you know, sure. um, yeah. but, but we're in talks and this one is a, is a midweight heavy Euro. Um, that's kind of like, it's based on the great Meteora, which is this, uh, place in Greece. It's this collection of stone spires that rise from the plains of Thessaly. And in the 14th century, these Greek monks built monasteries on top of them to protect the monasteries from these uh, uh, bandits, these raiding bandits. Oh, wow. Um, Okay. And uh, and How do you spell that? Sorry, I'm I'm Googling this. Yeah, it's it's Great Meteora, and M-E-T-E-O-R-A. Yeah, it's just beautiful. There's still six kept monasteries at one point there were 24 but some of them are kind of not really kept up anymore okay wow yeah beautiful yeah it's 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 amazing and my co-designer this guy chris uh who actually designed the original fish game that got me into the whole idea in generally um he he went there for his honeymoon and Mm. came back and he was like chomping at the bit like dude 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 i have to make a game about this i've got all these ideas and he has this notebook and he's he is like the class, <laughs> what I call a creative, uh, almost pejoratively, because he's he's like a you know, he's he's all over the place. He's got all these ideas, and he's so excited about the thing, but it's really tough to pin him down to just sit down and do it. Oh, um, uh-huh. you know, he's always he's got all these ideas. So basically, you know, he he brought me this, you know, this vision. He brought me this basic idea, and he brought me the systems that he had jotted down. And we went through together and I was like, no, 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 we don't have 24 skills. We have six skills. Mm. We, we don't have 24 monasteries to build. We have, you know, 10. Yeah. We don't have, yeah. you know, we don't have, you know, basically I just kind of took him, worked with him through his vision to get to a place where it expresses what he wants to express. Yeah. Um, and essentially what it is, is you got skill tracks, you're building tiles on top of these monastery pillars and you're it's an engine building there's two biros with engine building cards followers that you have that are working with you and there's some set collection and area control on the pillars to see who's the abbot and gets the the end of era bonus it's it's Mm. euro 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 the euro game um and (laughs) i can just imagine the the art in this would be has the potential to be incredible the, the setting is is amazing yeah it's are you looking at photos right now? Oh yeah. Yeah. I yeah, stopped listening to you a long time ago. No, just... 
it is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. and so basically what we did was I, you know, in your design, as a designer, you always have little, little things that you're chomping on little, like, you know, I really want, here's this stuff about board game design that I think could be better. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when I'm designing my games, I want them to work like this. And so I've really been working on a few things. And this, this great Meteora is one of the games where like kind of a lot of those things are firing on all cylinders where like just all these things that I've been wanting to incorporate are kind of there and it's, I'm really enjoying it. Mm, Um, You know, and obviously I have a whole list of those we could go through, but we probably don't have time. (laughs) Maybe we we need to do a a sequel episode of this, I think. think. All right. So what we're, what we're going to do, we'll do this pretty briefly. I think maybe, maybe the next 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, you came up with this idea, which was great. I thought the the top five inspirational games oh, yeah, that, yeah. Make, that that made you want to be, become a designer. So I'm assuming mm-hmm. you've got those five locked and loaded, ready to go. Um, I I'd do. Love to hear them. I actually, I, I told you I wasn't going to come up with a list. I actually did. Good. Uh, so I'm gonna, but I'm gonna let you go through yours and just see. Mine will be very brief. Um, okay. But but I'd love I, I'd love more so to hear um, kind of your thoughts and yeah. you know kind of want let you down this led you down this path. Yeah. So all these are important for different reasons. Um, Dungeons and Dragons. Mm, okay. Okay. Now I am working on a role playing game right now with a little crew. Like we've got a world builder, we've got an artist, we've got a project manager, and I'm I'm the I'm the systems designer. So okay. I am making a role playing game. But D and D was my first love. It's my longest love. It's my longest relationship. Um, mm. <clears throat> and since what and age? We don't have to go into the whole story. Like eight, probably. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you know I had an older brother and stuff. Um, and it has inspired and influenced and informed my entire being. Mm. You know, and and my life without Dungeons and Dragons would be so far removed from what it is now the friends that i've made as as a teenager because of it the choices i've made as an entrepreneur because of it you know Mm, like board game store and stuff like that yeah Um, my life my life would be so so different and it it still is with me today and i still love it uh despite some you know questionable stuff business-wise but (laughs) but uh (laughs) Sure. But, you know, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that's number one for me. Okay. Yeah. That's a great pick. I would imagine that would probably um, be a lot of people's pick too. That that probably um, it really led a lot of people into this hobby. You know, that yes. there's a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of that. And I, I never played Dungeons and Dragons early on mm-hmm. during COVID. Um, I was able to join some some old friends uh, online for some D and D sessions. That's and great. I, I get it. Yeah. I, I got the bug. I actually had to say, <laughs> Oh, I really can't go down this path. Cause I just don't have the time. Yeah. But I, I get it. It's fantastic. <laughs> that was like me and EverQuest. I started, I played it. I played it for about three months in college. And then I was like, mm, Nope, I need to graduate college. Yes. <laughs> I had to sign out and never sign back in ever again. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of those games I've had in my life. I think. <laughs> uh, um, okay. Magic the gathering. That's number two. Okay. Uh, it's since very, the 90s? Since yeah, like 90s. The, the get-go. Okay, all right. Since, 90, since 94, I jumped in about Unlimited slash Revised um, okay. in, in 94. And um, again, it's just seminal, you know, informative for the rest of my life. You know, I've, I was creating my own cards and, 
you know, we did our own weird draft sets and just, you know, ever since we were little kids creating games around games that, mm-hmm. that were inspirational. Um, and to this day, you can tell when a game designer has a history in Magic the Gathering or not mm-hmm. based on their designs and based on what they expect of their players as yeah. far as how their brains are going to function and process different information. It's, it's, it is so pervasive throughout the industry, even if you don't see or hear anyone talking about it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But you do, you do hear about it. That's the thing. Like I've heard so many, uh, so many designers in, in, you know, we have this team of designers, uh, former competitive magic right. players. I hear that all right. the time. Like I just, uh, just talked about, well, yeah. Okay. Here's a little a little time loop here. In the next episode, after this episode, yeah. I'm, I will talk about a game called World Breakers, which was designed by I'm, I believe they they were Magic players. I don't know that for sure, mm. uh, but it was definitely inspired by the Magic world. And I never played Magic, but this is a game where everything's just kind of put together for you. You don't have to yeah. you don't have to do the deck construction, but you can, and it's not collectible cards. Right, really cool design. I like it quite cool. a bit. Um, but but there's so many of it. Star Realms was. Uh, oh yeah, her, Wise Wizard. Yeah, all yeah, all their designs. They're they're competitive Magic players, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Plus, right, uh, yeah. Yeah, anyway, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this one guy, and this one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's oh. a, there's a bunch of. Them. <laughs> um. So. Heroes of Might and Magic Three, was another one. That just and 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 Ultima Seven, but I, I wrote down here's my Magic Three. It just set my brain. It just it just stuck in my brain and has always been in my brain, mm. um, as just like informative to everything I like, you know, and what I look for and like how, just how engaging mechanisms can be and math can be and like just yeah, mm. I, I love yeah. it. Um, Pillars of the Earth was the the game that when Ryan came to me and said, "Hey, I want to make a Euro game uh, with tower defense," I was like, "Okay, sweet." I haven't played too many Euro games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said, "Well, let's 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 check out Pillars of the Earth. Let's check." And that wasn't the only one, right? We played a bunch. It's yeah. not like I had never played any. You know, I played Carcassonne or whatever, which technically is Euro game. But when I'm saying Euro, I mean worker placement, yeah. resource management, yada yada. What um, you play now? You've come a long way now since 2015. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we uh, pillars of the earth. Mm. It was like just the for me, and and I hear people talking about it where they're like, "Oh, it's so derivative, this and that." No, it 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 informed everything after it. That's why it looks derivative. Mm. Yep. right that th- this is where things came from yeah yeah <laughs> you know um it wasn't obviously it wasn't the only game that that informed that whole genre but it was a game that informed the whole genre yeah um and you've got yep. that rondell like worker action timing thing going and oh it's so it's so slick and cool and the gameplay is so like the math and the feeling is so right and perfect um, it doesn't have to be more complex than that in my head, in my yeah. mind. You don't need more complex. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. All right. So that that was your fifth one? Is that right? That was that was four. One? I got one that more. That was four. Like, okay. What's your, what's be your done. fifth one? It's got to be done now. March, no, you're good. You're good. March, <laughs> the Ants, March the Ants is the fifth one. Oh, okay. Um, 
because that was the one that made us say, hey, we can do this. Mm. Tim's a guy down the street that I met at the farmer's market. Yeah. Or the Portland Saturday market. You know, so you didn't know him as a designer. You just met him at the at the market. Uh, or, or Ryan, did know him at- Ryan met him. Ryan met him. Okay, Ryan met you. him, and he bought this game, and he was like, "Oh, it's really cool." And you know, and since then, Tim has gone on to become much more well known than he was for March Dance. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, with a gajillion other big big selling games, but he just put out a game, right? He mm. made made it with his buddies and his brother. They designed it. Their buddy Ryan did the art. You know, yada yada, and then and they made this game, and and that that's that's the inspiration right Mm -hmm. you go oh you can do that you can just make a game Mm. that's awesome and then you you know you come to realize he's also happens to be this amazing wonderful human being that that is fun to hang out with and and and, you know play test stuff with but um but yeah so that was that was also the big inspiration like the game that made you realize you can actually just do it yeah yeah. Um, and then one honorable mention, and then I swear that's the last one. <laughs> Galaxy <laughs> Galaxy Trucker. We play we were playing so much Galaxy Trucker at that time. Okay. Yeah. And I love it when people make the can make the correlation between After the Empire and Galaxy Trucker. Mm. Um because it's there. Yeah. It's there. I've only ever seen a few people make the correlation, but I'm like, yes. <laughs> that's great that is a, right. oh, such a fun game i love that you picked that is is even if it was just an honorable mention because it, it gets me thinking throughout this whole you're talking and me thinking about a top five there are so many games out there and there's so much creativity in this mm-hmm. hobby and I love it because I often will say, you know, if somebody's like, I don't like board games. I'm like, well, you, you haven't found the right board game. You would yeah. like a board game. Some board game out there is for you. It could be, you know, something that I might consider to be the worst thing ever. You <laughs> yeah. know, it could be the dullest thing, but but that's your board game. You know, there there's games out there. There's Galaxy Truckers. There's Feast for Odin. There's, you know, right. Crokinole. There's all kinds of different uh creative um creativity in this in this hobby that i love so yeah uh, real quick i want to i want to say mine just this is from a non-designer yeah. perspective but but it did get me thinking um i'm just gonna run hey man once well. you put once you put pen to paper you're a designer just so you know that's true okay so i guess technically i have des- dev- uh, designed a game that was <laughs> i will self-proclaim as awful and that's that's not you know self uh deprecation it's just it was not a good design uh, but that's it, how they all start. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, Carcassonne is is what kind of made me think. You know, this is a this is a big game and a really well known game. But one of the first mm-hmm. ones that I played. But I was like, it's a pretty. You know, somebody had to have just come up with this idea and then just do it. You know. Yeah. Um, and and it is a it's such a clever, cool design that it's so slick. It's yeah. It's just so. So streamlined, such such a good game, and then so many different iterations. So there's a lot of creativity with that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cascadia, I'm I'm actually going to double up some of these probably. So Cascadia Azul um, mm-hmm. was my number two, and I, I love just the simple design where you got you know I'm going to do one action, and it's uh, it's going to be a thinky thing. You're going to have to think a lot about this one action, but the but the design is just so smooth, right? And uh, you know, quick turns. I, I tend to like that a lot. Yeah. 
Um, my number three is again a combination. You could say whatever you want with this endless winter, uh, lost ruins of Arnak and Dune Imperium. Yeah. And the thing about those is I love, you know, sometimes we think if I create a board game, it has to be brand new that nobody's ever done before, but that's not the way the hobby works. And in fact, it's actually a bad idea. Yes. Our best (laughs) games tend to be the ones that really build off. Now there's some outliers like Mm -hmm. Dominion, which is (laughs) my next one on the list. Uh, Dominion in, in El, you know, El Grande might be in that category too, but they, yeah. they did, as far as I'm concerned, kind of perfect that pretty early on, you know, with the deck builder. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other different deck builders. Dominion is still one of my favorite ones. El Grande is still one of my favorite area control games. But a lot of times we, we need to have this, oh, I love the idea of worker placement. I think I could do this thing and I could combine it with, you know, with, with card drafting. I can combine it with, with deck building or whatever that is. I just yeah. love the idea of being able to, to combine and, uh, you know, finagle all these different designs that we have going on right now. Yeah. I mean, even Dominion is, is, you know, if you want to be reductive, it's derivative of magic, the gathering. That's right. That's but, right. You know, um, but obviously it's not, it's, it's a totally new thing that was inspired by, you know, informed yeah. by. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then so many games that even just, you know, star Wars, the deck builder, which is really just, what 20 20 years later i don't even know when uh not quite maybe 15 years later after dominion you create this game that is a pretty simple deck builder but it's still really fun you know yeah um, so i love the the building off and then the last one was uh just one and so clover yeah um because not just because they're party games but because they i love the idea of having a game that can connect to so many different people. Yes. Um, you know, and I, I, I'd say that's a pretty difficult task, even though these are party games, you might think, well, those are really simple designs, which is very true, but they're also universally liked by gamers and non-gamers alike. And I, I, I think that's I, yeah. not an easy thing to do. I've tried to design a party game. Um, I'm here to tell you, it's not as easy as it looks. No, no, it's not. <laughs> It's yeah, not as I, easy as it looks. No, but but that's what make I you know I who knows what just one started off as right. you know, probably not exactly what it is right now and then right. maybe at one point it just clicks like oh wait a minute we've been overthinking mm-hmm. this you know I I, mm-hmm. I I like to imagine that's probably the process that happened. There. I assume yeah yeah that sounds about right. Uh, and then finally but, you, you know you come to it and you're like oh oh well why didn't we just do that all along? Yes. <laughs> Yes, but there's a there's a science, there's an art to that, you know, of of kind of figuring out what that looks like. But but I, that those kind of things inspire me, and I, and inspire. I would imagine so many other people that just think, "Wow, I I really can do this." Um, yeah. So as we kind of close it out, what I want to do is is give uh, you've already you've opened up the invitation. You've said. I am the one, I, I am the one who can take these creative ideas and I can make them into a game. So I'm going to flood your email box. Do it, game. man. No, uh, that'd you know, be great. If somebody has questions and I've asked you questions, you've been an open book about all this. Yeah. Um, is, is there a way somebody could reach out to you and say, hey, Evan, I've got this idea or, you know, what, what can I do? I have this game that is fully designed. I want to reach out to a publisher, but I need, I need, you know, advice from a designer or whatever. Yeah. Um, is there a way people you know, can get in touch with you? Yeah. Yeah, my my best recommendation is, you know, join join an online forum like you know the the board game design lab on Facebook or mm-hmm. something like that where you can post a question and you will get 
as many different answers as there are people and all of them will be correct and wrong. Right. (laughs) For you. Right. Because if you just email me, I'll tell you what I think, but that might not, that might not be great advice for you. That might, you know, that might make you go, Oh, maybe I can't do this. Or maybe it'll encourage you. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, but if somebody does want to reach out to me, I definitely welcome that. And I definitely, uh, like to see people, you know, getting inspired and become part of the community. Um, so portlandgamecraft at gmail.com. No dots, no dashes, no spaces. portlandgamecraft at gmail.com is how to, how to reach out to me. If, if somebody yeah, has any questions or just wants to chat design or whatever, um, at the end of the day, I'm probably going to tell you, hey, man, I can't really give you any advice without playing your game. Yeah. Hey, yeah. man, you need to actually make your game and then find some play testers and then play that game. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, you know, exactly whatever. <laughs> Same advice you gave on this on the show, you know, because people people put out these questions where they're like, "Hey, how should I balance this one thing?" And the answer is, "How the heck should I know?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know your system. I haven't played your game. Yeah, but I'm always happy to answer, and I always do answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that is more helpful than you. Know. I you know I'm gonna go ahead and say, if somebody's listened to this episode and you do design a game and that you go through this whole process, I really would love to see. Um, you know, I can I can trace my roots back to to the Evan interview on the on the Meeple Town podcast. Uh, we would like some we would like some recognition in the. I know, wouldn't that be hilarious? You know, there are a few people out there where they started their design journey because of after the Empire and and, and like meeting us at a convention or whatever and chatting with us and being like, oh, you can just make a game, just like we did with Tim and March of the Ants, right? Yeah. <clears throat> they saw us and they're like, oh. I could just make the game I want. And then they went on to make this game. It's, it's, it's so, it's so wonderful and awesome and encouraging to hear that story because this, the story you, if you choose to focus on it, the story you hear a lot is, you know, when you look at your BGG ratings and you look at the threes and the ones and the twos and you read, you know, these people's opinions, um, just don't forget that for every one person that hates what you did and feels so much hate that they need to spend an extra 10 minutes and tell you why and how much. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't forget that there's 10 other people that gained joy and had a wonderful night with their family and were inspired by, and just had a blast with that thing that you made. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Evan, thank you so much for joining the show. It really means a whole lot. I'd love to have you on again in the future. Maybe yeah, man. More the I know. Stuff. All these other things that we never even got to. Yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> we could, uh, this could have been a whole, we could do a whole mini series on I this. Know, right? hours That's and hours too much. It's too much. Uh, but this is a good start. This gives you a good taste. And hopefully, you know, those of you who are who are considering board game design, I really hope that this does help inspire you and kind of get you on that path and know, you know, some of the steps that you might need to take, um, to, to kind of get you down that road. Now, if you'd yeah. like to get in touch with Meeple town, you can reach out to us on all of those, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Meeple town games. You can reach out to our email, uh, Meeple town games at gmail.com. Our board game geek guild is guild number 3407. And we also have a discord. If you'd like to reach us on there, you can connect with us in the guild and get the discord information. But thanks again, Evan, for joining us. And until next time, thanks for coming down to Meeple Town. It's been my pleasure.